Are you dealing with the trials of a difficult marriage or going through a separation or divorce? Welcome to the club, friend. Life is messy and it can be hard. I'm Jen Zingmark, a Christian life coach, and I have good news for you. There is a path to find hope, healing, and happiness, no matter what your circumstances are, and I can help you find joy in your journey. So let's go. So today I am talking with Lindsay Clough. She is a life coach who specializes in working with couples. And I love Lindsay's open, honest, real connection with people. I am so excited to let you guys get to know her. And I am thrilled to interview her for the podcast today. You will see for yourself how amazing she is. So welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Sure. So introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your work, your children. Okay. So, um, I have been married for 15 years. Well, just under 15 years to my husband, Parker, and I have three kids. My youngest was born with a birth defect called an umphalocele. And it's where his liver, his stomach, gallbladder, and intestines were like in a sack created by the umbilical cord on the outside of his body. And so we've just been working the last year, just like to slowly stuff his little organs back in. And he had his closure surgery in October. And then he had another surgery in what was it, uh, December. And we're just right now working on getting him to eat regularly and enough food to sustain him without his NG tube. So That fills up most of my day, most of, you know, my life currently right now, like that's just really big and in my face. But, um, I, like you said, I'm a life coach. I coach couples and I specialize in helping couples work through like, um, pornography and affairs. Wow. And, um, I, I love working with couples, but I also love, love, love working with just women and helping them through all of that, whether she was the one that had an affair or, or her husband's looking at pornography or her husband had an affair on her. You know, I just, I love women. They're so wonderful. Oh, that's awesome. Me too. I did not realize all of that about your son. Wow. I knew there was a lot going on, but holy cow. And you're a life coach and you've got all this <laughs> stuff. Wow. You're amazing girl. Whoa. So what, what do you say is your coaching philosophy for your work with couples or women? My coaching philosophy is I just, I usually say like, or you'll see it on my website. Like we do healing from the inside out. And what I mean by that is that like the way to like heal relationships with other people is actually by starting with ourselves. And when we heal the relationship with ourselves, we, we build this amazing confidence that like starts kind of emulating out and it helps us in our relationships with our spouse. It helps us with our kids. It helps us with our parents, like everybody externally. Right. And so that's my biggest philosophy is just healing from the inside out. That's beautiful. I love it. What drew you to life coaching and working with couples? Um, 
fun question. <laughs> well, so I'll just tell you kind of a little bit even more about me. Back in 2018 is when I discovered life coaching. And it was actually through Jody Moore. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with her, but she's a phenomenal life coach. And I, at the time, was actually starting to like an emotional affair. And so when I found her, I feel like it was just like God's intervention that he was just like, oh my gosh, you're going down this like really slippery slope really fast. And I need something to help you. And so Jody Moore popped up into my life at the right time. And it was through the model coaching tools, um, learning about habits, addictions, urges, and like how relationships are created, like all inside our head with our thoughts, like learning all that empowered me to end my extramarital affair and then reconcile with my husband. But the reason why I was like having an affair was because I was just like stuck in victim mentality. And so I learned so much about that. And my husband had been dealing with um, using pornography from the beginning of our marriage, like two months into our marriage. And we had worked really hard on that and like gone back and forth. And you, you know, that whole game, right? And so that was, that was a really long time. And I built up a lot of resentment and I don't think that I handled it well at all. I think I just tried to sweep it under the rug, which left me totally susceptible to like, another man's attention. And so luckily I ended it before I totally completely obliterated my marriage, but it was really hard, but life coaching was my lifeline. And it gave me the strength to pull myself out of that big hole that I had dug. And after that, I knew I just wanted to be a coach. And I honestly, I didn't know I wanted to help couples until like maybe a couple years later, like I knew I wanted to share my story with people to help them, but I didn't realize that how many people struggle with having a spouse that has a pornography addiction or uses pornography um, and affairs, especially in like the LDS culture, because we don't really talk about it. Um, but it's quite prominent. I want to say like 50% of LDS marriages have had some form of affair. And so I just felt like this calling and this pull that at the end of the day, like if I wanted to help families that I needed to focus on mom and dad and strengthening mom and dad is going to help families and that's going to help serve heavenly father. And so I chose that. Wow. That is beautiful. What a beautiful testimony to your faith and resilience and desire to overcome you. You have overcome a lot in your own marriage and thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. And I too have, have helped so many people over the years who've gone through those same things. I personally have gone through similar things and Oh, it's amazing. And thank you for doing the work that you do. That is beautiful. And for sharing your story with us. Yeah. What would you say are the biggest problems facing couples today? Honestly, I think it's connection. Most of my couples come to me and they're just like, 
they're all looking for that deep connection and they're wondering if maybe they could find that deep connection with somebody else and not their spouse. Maybe it's their spouse is like broken or like they're not vibing together well and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, and I know that like relationships, right, are created through our thoughts and like whatever we think about our marriage is the experience that we have with our marriage. And so when I teach couples this, at first they don't believe me and they're very like, they kind of push up against it. But as I can work through their whole like model and their their lives and their situations that they come to me, then I can show them like how they're creating their own experience, right? And also like a big part of like that is teaching them that we can't control other people. We only can control ourselves. So we can't control our spouse. So I work with a lot of couples on just like learning to be okay with their spouse, not being okay. So their spouse is like angry and their spouse is, you know, sad or whatever. And I find like a lot of moms are, they put up this wall and they kind of get defensive and they don't really quite feel safe with their spouse. So it prevents that connection. And one of the reasons why they do that is because it's hard for them to tolerate like their spouse's bad mood. Right. And so they try to keep the house clean. They try to keep the kids in line and like doing well. And they want their whole life to run perfectly smooth so that when dad gets home, like dad's in a good mood and he's going to participate and be active with the family. And then we're going to do all these things. But the problem with that is, is that even if you do all those things and dad comes home and he's still in a bad mood, what are you making that mean about you? Right? Like I'm not good enough. Our family's not good enough. Our kids aren't good enough. Right. Or like, my husband's just a jerk. He's always grumpy all the time, things like that. And so it's our thoughts that keep us disconnected from our spouses. And I know I do work with couples where it's like, oh, my husband's on his phone like all the time and it's so hard. And so we work with people on that on and husbands and like we work with them on pornography and same thing, like a husband might come and talk about a wife be like, She's always like busy. She doesn't have time for me. Like I want to go out on dates with her, but she doesn't like anything I like. I feel like we're completely opposite. Like this is a conversation I had the other day was like, this husband was like, we're completely opposite of each other. Like we can't, we just can't get along. We can't do anything. Like I want to go on a date to do this and she doesn't want to, right? But what it comes down to is just, realizing that everybody wants to feel safe and everybody wants to feel loved and everybody just wants to be able to be themselves without feeling like they have to put on a show for their spouse, right? And that they can just fall apart or be grumpy or whatever and know that their spouse is still going to love them and have their back. And, um, and honestly, they all say, I just want to have fun and I just want a best friend. And I love that because I feel like through all of this work that my husband and I have done, like he is my best friend. And even though we get annoyed with each other and we bicker and stuff, he's the first person I want to go to. And I think that other couples want that too. So. Oh, that is so beautifully said. I think you're right. 
And it's so ironic in the world today when we're all so connected in millions of ways that we never had them before with all these different apps and ways that we follow each other and, you know, connect with each other, but yet we're all still feeling disconnected. It's ironic that those artificial things can't give us what we need. And ultimately it's up to us to provide it for ourselves. So that is just beautifully said. Yeah. Well, and then like with all those ways that we connect with people, like through the internet, through Instagram, all those things, like I've had the most amazing friendships built up. I've never met them in person. It's through Instagram. Right. But at the same time in a marriage, like if you're relying on all these other people to fill that connection, to fill that need, like then maybe it's time to look inward. And that's also how like a lot of affairs start is they find connection with somebody else. And it's through all of these other awesome avenues that can be good and can be hard on a marriage as well. Part of the problem with pornography is like a lack of connection, a lack of intimacy, and a lack of understanding like loneliness and deprivation and being able to tolerate that. And so that's why we all look for connection externally, but until we connect with ourselves, then we can't connect with our spouse. And so, yes, that is so true. That leads perfectly into my next question. I was going to ask about what has your experience been like coaching couples dealing with pornography issues and what is your advice to couples Um, who may be listening today, man or woman dealing with pornography in their marriage? So my advice would be, and it's kind of the same for pornography and extramarital affairs. I feel like sometimes when, like when it even steps above pornography, when it becomes like an outside thing, like I just had a client and her husband was going to massage parlors, you know, and getting special treatment there. And so like, for me, that's like a step above pornography, right? Like the consequences are not the same, right? It does. It's all the same thing in our brain, but the consequences are different. So I'm not saying one's completely way worse than the other, but like I said, consequences are different. So mm-hmm. For couples who have extramarital affairs or have pornography things, like, I totally think that your marriage can still be healthy, thriving, loving, growing, and all of the things, but it's going to take effort. And so first of all, like, you have to decide if you want to put forth that effort. And the next thing would be is understanding that your marriage doesn't have to be over, right? Like, I remember being young and being like, oh, if my husband ever cheats on me or looks at pornography, like uh, we are so done, right? Yes, I think many women may feel that way when they're young and they think that's the end of the world, but there actually is hope for a marriage after that. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. Because if you can overcome it together as a couple, like it can be one of the most bonding experiences of your whole entire life, but you can also allow it to like, just eat away and erode you, you as a person and your marriage. But I would say that, um, next I would say it's 
fine if you want to like share what you're going through with people, but you really need to set up boundaries. And if you're ever uncomfortable in a situation where somebody's talking to you about it, it's fine to say like, I'm sorry, this is just going to be between me and my family. Like, I don't want to talk about our relationship right now. Or like you want to find people who are supportive of both of you on the team, because like if he goes to his best friend or she goes to her best friend and they're like, oh, my gosh, I I don't know how you can ever even handle that. Like I would totally leave them if they did that to me. Right. Like then that's kind of just they're offering you their thoughts. And sometimes it's hard to get those thoughts out of your head when you're trying to um, stick together. And so Aww. it kind of erodes the result line of, I want a happy healed marriage. But then when you have that thought playing through your head of like, oh, well, Susie wouldn't stay with her spouse if she did that, like, right. Cause people's opinions, as much as we want to say, they don't matter. Like our loved ones, like they kind of do matter and they help shape our belief systems over time. So true. What good advice. That is really good advice to make sure you're confiding in people who have your same objectives and who are supporting the marriage and not planting or sharing their own beliefs about things that are destructive to your goal. That's, that's really good advice. Yeah. I've always thought at the beginning of my marriage, people told us, don't ever talk about your marriage outside of your marriage to anybody, which then I felt really isolated in my grief and everything. So then when my husband did come to me and say, Hey, I've been using pornography. Like this is really hard for me, you know, all that stuff. Then I, I felt very isolated. Like I felt very lonely in it by myself. And that's why I think I built up a lot of resentment. Um, So just like it takes a village to raise a child, just like it takes a village to help a sick person, I think it takes a village to help a healthy marriage, right? Like, you got to have the babysitters, you got to have the mom and dad that, you know, like are supportive. But you have to pick. That's, that's what you'd have to do. You have to pick your cheerleading team that's going to support both teams. That is such an important piece of information to share with people that are in marriages that are struggling. It's really vital to have a good support team around you supporting the marriage. That's awesome. Yeah. I honestly don't think that Parker and I would have done, like I said, it was my own personal hell, like going through all of that and like recovering from all that. But at the same time, I feel like it could have been worse if we hadn't created that team you know, and there were a few people that we reached out to and talked to about it. And they were the ones that kind of offered us like negative thoughts that didn't support our marriage. And so after that, we realized, okay, you actually can't be a part of my team. Like we still love you. It doesn't mean anything. You just don't get to be a part of our team for this situation. And so we kind of put up a boundary and didn't talk to them about it as much. Oh, that's really good to know. Also, really important. Like you can't, you don't necessarily have to eliminate those people from your life, but you have to really guard and protect that goal that you're both working towards, which is pulling your, your marriage back together, putting the support in, but rebuilding that relationship. And you need to protect that and make sure that there aren't any people around that are trying to tear it apart. So 
especially during a crisis like that. That's awesome. Exactly. That's when you want all your best people around you that are going to love you guys and support you. Um, Something else that I would talk about, you can totally start your healing process without your spouse being on board. You know, ah, that's really interesting. Speak to that a little bit. How would you do that? Let's say a woman listening is, you know, aware of her husband's pornography addiction or, you know, problem. How could she start healing? For me, it was like finding podcasts. You know, I picked my invisible team when I did that, like, and it was my podcast and it was ones that like lifted me up spiritually um, educated me and ones that helped pull me out of like this victim mentality. Right. It was ones that like filled my cup and like what kind of showing myself self-love as I nurtured my brain. And then I found a therapist that was really great. And it took me a couple therapists to find the right one, but she was great because she was a teacher. And so she would teach me stuff about my brain and how it worked and why it worked the way that it did. And by learning about that stuff, it kind of gave it all meaning like, oh, okay. I understand maybe why I did that. What I did. I'm not saying that it's okay now. Like it doesn't let me off the hook, but now I understand. And when I started to understand, I started to offer myself grace and forgiveness. And that's such a crucial part. Like it doesn't mean that you're off the hook by any means. All it means is that you're taking yourself out of fight, flight, or freeze and fawn responses. And when you're out of that, um, like scared trauma response, you can learn, you can be better, you can align with love. And then when you're aligned with love, you can do so much better. And my husband actually never once got coached. He did like couples therapy with me and stuff um, here and there, but he went and got his own coach and we did separate stuff. But if your spouse is not interested, it's fine. Like it's totally fine. And you can still change your marriage and change your life based off of just improving yourself. That is so empowering for everyone to know. And I love it. That's one of my favorite things about coaching too. And about this work that we do. It's beautiful. Many of my listeners and clients are in difficult marriages on the brink of divorce. Some are separated, some are post-divorce, but many of the women that I work with are actually in a difficult marriage. And they're trying to decide like how much time and effort do I put into this? And, you know, before I decide to quit this marriage, what would be your advice to someone in that situation who's considering divorce, they're having trouble, maybe not extramarital affairs or pornography, but possibly. I know this is going to sound like totally weird to your listeners, but I would try to avoid a divorce until you can divorce with love. And what I mean by that is like, you have gone through and done the work on yourself and you have healed. I always call it godly confidence. And I just think that godly confidence is different than the way that the world teaches confidence. Not, it's not like walking around being like, 
my body is an A, my hair is an A, like I got all my crap <laughs> together, like I am such a bad A, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's not that. It's like I understand that I have self-worth and nothing can take away from that. So even when I make mistakes, it's okay because I have my own back. And I'm not going to berate myself and put myself down when I make mistakes. I'm going to pick myself up. I'm going to learn from that. And I'm going to carry forward. Confident, godly confidence looks like a lot like Christ, right? Like he could go and be with amongst all these hating people. And he didn't make it mean anything about him. He just understand. He understood that hurt people are hurt people like or sorry, people who hurt people are hurting people. Yeah. So when you start to understand like, oh, my spouse is hurting me because they're hurting, then you can grow with empathy and love for them. And then um, boundaries, somebody who loves themselves is going to put in boundaries and it might be totally uncomfortable at first, but when you stick to those boundaries, then you're going to find you don't have so much resentment in your life for people anymore because you don't feel like you're people pleasing. You don't feel like they're walking all over you anymore. It's just like, no, I love myself. So I know that that's not okay. I don't want to be treated like that. And so I'm going to leave this situation because like, I'm not safe or I don't want to be talked to like that. And it's not anything against you. It's just, I love myself in such a special way that you can't talk to me like that. Oh, I love that. And I love your phrase, godly confidence. That is so accurate for how we should feel about ourselves. It's not a worldly confidence. It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It's that knowing that each of us, I always say is worth a million dollar bill, even if it's crumpled or torn or ripped or tattered, our worth cannot be diminished no matter what. But I love that godly confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, I hope that catches on and that people will learn what that means for them. But once you can have that godly confidence in yourself, and once you can align with love and you can just say like, I love myself and I love my family and I love you. And I can see that you're a hurt person and that's why you're hurting everyone. And I don't want to control you anymore. I just want you to be who you are, but I can't be who I need to be with you. And then that's like how I think I would understand like, okay, I'm in a good place because if you can start off there with your divorce, like it's going to make talking a little bit easier. It's just, it's going to make your life that much better because when we love other people, when we have empathy, when we have compassion, when we're understanding, like that feels so much better than when we're resentful, when we're angry and we have to realize the reason why we love people is because it feels good. It right. feels so good to be just like radiating in love and peace and joy and all those things. Like it doesn't mean that we can't have negative feelings, right? At all. It's just that like 
why would I do that? Why would I love my spouse who is like such a jerk to me? And he's such a terrible person to our kids and he's abusive or he yells at us or he's like got these weird patriarchy issues, you know, like, why would I love him? And, and the answer is, is because when you love him, it feels good for you and you emulate that. And then you can take that self-love and that love for other people and go and spread it all over the world. So true. Yes. I love that description. I would say that is the best way to proceed in a situation where a divorce was the best choice for you, but coming to a place of love first is, is definitely the best way to go. I mean, obviously if you're like in danger, right? Right. Right. But But every other case. Yes. Yes. Like you can align with love in a safe place. Right. 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 Only when you're aligned with, yeah. Love anyways, when we're highly triggered in a fight, flight or freeze fawn state. So, so um, true. Many people have this idea that if they're in an unhappy marriage, that divorce is the answer and that will solve all of their problems. Yeah. It's not true. It's absolutely absolutely not true. Yeah. What do you have to say about that? my friend who left her marriage, like she, you know, and there was like nothing terribly tragic in it. It's just that she was like, he doesn't love me. He doesn't take care of me. He doesn't care. And like, he had completely disconnected from her. And like, they were like, she was living in upstairs and he was living downstairs and it was just super strange. So they got a divorce and then she met like the man of her absolute dreams. They were perfect together. Um, they like, they were great and they worked out. They're beautiful. Like everything that you would think a dream couple is, but like they didn't do the healing. They didn't do any of the healing. That's so important where it's like healing from the inside out. And so like they push each other away and they have all this resentment. And I've never seen a couple that was more perfect together, not work together. And so they've broken up like so many times and now they finally like split, split. And it makes me so sad because like when I say like they're the dream couple, like you would hate them because they would be so dreamy, but they can't make it work. And I think that people want to leave a marriage and then go and find their special person that will understand them. But if they don't do the healing, like it's not going to work. No, that is so true. And I have seen the same thing. If you don't do the healing within your marriage, you just take all of those wounds, all of that garbage with you into your next relationships. And it, gets worse, exponentially more difficult and complicated when you add legal bills and separate households and ex-spouses and alimony and child support and custody issues and all of these new complications to a bad situation. It just, it gets so much more difficult. Oh yeah. And something that I, I try and tell my clients, um, is that you may not have hurt yourself you may not have cut yourself, but it's your job if you're cut and bleeding out to fix it. Like people may walk around and hurt you and you might have cuts all over your body, but if you're still bleeding, you don't have band-aids or you have like an infected wound that's pussy and disgusting, like that's on you. Like you need to do the work and you need to heal yourself. 
And that's like what victim mentality is, is walking around with all of these outside wounds. And you would think that somebody was insane if we did that. Like if we had the physical appearance of what victim mentality looked like on our actual bodies, you'd be like, what the heck? Why don't you go to Instacare? Why don't you get that stitched up? Like, why, what are so you doing? True. It is so true. That is the perfect visualization for what victim mentality is. You didn't cause the wounds, but not treating them, not healing them is on you. And that is the perfect explanation for it. And I have seen it many, many times too. And you only hurt yourself when you walk around as the victim and continue to live your life, blaming someone else and keeping those wounds open. But when you keep those wounds open, you bleed on everybody else. And so like your kids feel it, your new boyfriend or new girlfriend feels it, your parents feel it. Like you bleed on other people when you don't take initiative to heal your own wounds. So true. I, I totally agree with that. And I love that analogy and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the visual image of open <laughs> wounds bleeding. Walking out. Around like, <laughs> yes, because you can just see it and it makes it obvious whose responsibility it is because you're the one with the wound. I think in relationships, it's harder to see that because it's, it's out there. There isn't a body, an image of the body that you can imagine. And so it's easier to project those wounds on someone else and say, it's their responsibility or their fault, but recognizing that you're the one hurting, you're the one bleeding. You need to fix that. It's so beautiful. Perfect analogy. Well, I, I, this has been like such an awesome conversation and like, oh, good. just loved talking to you and we'll just have to have more conversations like this. I agree. Oh, you have so much wisdom to share, Lindsay. I love it. Tell us about your coaching programs, the 90 day marriage recovery program and the marriage maintenance program. What is the difference? What do you, what do you do with these? So with the 90 day marriage recovery program, like this is going to be for people who are like, I want to give my marriage 90 days, like just this last ditch effort. We're going to get a divorce anyways. It's like divorces are really expensive. And so like, what's like giving this 90 day marriage program, the last, like, you know, hurrah before we end things. Right. Um, and so that's where I'm going to really like teach things about like, boundaries, self-love, habits, urges, forgiveness, um, creating intimacy and sexual desire in our marriages. Um, Just kind of help couples like fill in the gaps that they've been missing so that if they do decide that they want to end their marriage, then they, it's because like they're fully prepared. They don't have to have any second guessing. They can do it in while they're aligned in love and no, you know, we really did give this our all. It's not that I'm like anti-marriage or anti-divorce. It's just that like, if you're going to get a divorce, you know, you want to be sure about it, right? This is a big life-changing thing. And so this is just an opportunity to figure all of that out and to have kind of like, I hate calling myself a referee because I'm not really a referee or like a moderator, but I'm unbiased. And so I don't have any problems being like, 
hey, like your thinking over here is really causing a lot of problems in your marriage. And if you tweak this, like if you want to tweak this, I should say, then you could have a completely different experience. Um, so um, it's just, yeah, that is for like the couple who's just like needs that last like ditch effort before they get the divorce. Um, and then my marriage maintenance program is for like the husband and wife who's just in that blah roommate sort of phase, right? Like they're like, well, we aren't probably ever going to get a divorce, but like, I don't know if I want to like, there's just nothing there. That's what they say to me. There's just nothing there anymore. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that is going to also have similar things to the 90 day marriage recovery program, right? We're going to talk about like the manual and boundaries and, um, creating sexual desire and things like that in a marriage. Um, but that is going to be for the couple that's like, I'm staying in my marriage, but like, we're just roommates at this point and they want something better, right? They don't want to be roommates. They want their fun best friend that they can do everything with back. That is so awesome. And I have seen both of those situations. So I know that you can help so many people. I love hearing all about your experiences and all the wisdom you have to offer and share. Lindsay, you are just a jewel and I am thrilled to talk to you. And I am so excited for my listeners to get to learn about you and hear what you do. Tell me, how can my listeners find you and work with you? Um, They can find me on Instagram. That's probably and my website. So my website is lindsayclough.com. So pretty basic. <laughs> and then um, I have, you could follow me on my personal one, Lindsay Clough on Instagram, but I just opened a new Instagram account called Life Coaching with Linz. And um, that's where I post a lot of my marriage advice and my marriage tips. And um, I think that a marriage is just like elevated when you can have humor in it. And that if we can find humor in like anything, then, um, I don't know, it just makes things a little bit better and a little less contentious, like just an example. And I don't know how your listeners will feel about this, but sometimes my husband will like tease me, um, about the fact that I had an emotional affair and I'll tease him. Um, and it doesn't hurt either one of our fair, our feelings. It doesn't trigger us. It just like, we just laugh and know that we're each other's best friends and that that was just like, it was okay. And I know that sounds so weird. Where you are now and how far you guys have come from what you went through, seriously, the brink of collapse and destruction for you personally and your marriage And to be at at such a whole healed, healthy place says so much about how far you've come. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this with us. And I just love what you're doing. And like you, I, 
I believe in marriage and I know that you have to be a whole healthy, healed person yourself before you can have any other healthy relationship in your life. Many times I've seen when problems boil up and explode in a marriage, it's because individuals are having implosions and they're falling apart and they're a mess. And like you said, hurt people are causing hurt. That healing has to start with the individual. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the podcast and you are the bomb. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Are you struggling with the trials of divorce? There is a path to find joy in your journey. I would love to help you go to jenzingmark.com to get all the info. There you'll find a free download to help you start thinking happier thoughts today. And you can sign up to receive my weekly newsletter. If you like what you've heard here and want to dive deeper into this work, sign up for a free mini session with me. This is just the tip of the iceberg, my friends. There is so much more. I would love to work with you and be your life coach.